We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The Buttonheads podcast from Rams Talk Radio. This is Steve Ribeiro, joined by managing editor and host of the regular Rams Talk podcast, Derek Ciapala. How's it going, man? Uh, I get to be a guest today for once. I don't have to, <laughs> you know, come up with the show plan or anything. I just kind of get to sit here and chill out. Yeah, of course. And as as always, we want to make sure you're subscribed to us while you're listening. So whatever you're listening on, whether that's iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM, make sure you subscribe. Give us a rating if that application has ratings. We would love a five-star rating from you guys. Nice little feedback goes a long way and helps us climb up the charts. And also, don't forget we are on IE Beat Radio. That show airs Wednesdays, Saturdays, Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time if you're on the West Coast. Feel free to give us a listen, or if you're on the East Coast, that's 1 p.m. Eastern. And, Derek, uh, I just wanted to get this out there, because you last weekend you were out in L.A. I wanted to see how your Rams Fest experience was. Oh, wow. It was really um, – I don't have the words for it, really. It was because just because of the – when you sit down and you talk with numerous Rams players, both past and, and of course, present, uh, Johnny was there and got a – himself an autographed picture that read cheerleaders and so it was kind of fun watching him be a kid in a candy store the all the different booster clubs it's it's rare to be around to, to be able to be around all these different guys who and gals by the way lots of women there who just love the rams i'm usually in northeast ohio all by my lonesome so it was it was a good experience a great experience actually hot as all heck 113 degrees yeah you know yeah hot it's, it's hot out here and it's like 25 degrees hotter in LA so I definitely felt for you standing out there all day oh it was brutal but but it was it was a great experience we're, we're currently working through the second episode of that of that podcast it's a bit of a, a bigger um, 
a bigger hodgepodge of sound or anything. Hopefully we can make it just right for everybody. But overall, it was, it was a really great experience. And I think we have to find a way to get the staff out there next year. I think we need to send good old little Stevie here <laughs> to uh, interview some of these players. And it was just a really amazing experience. Yeah, man. I would definitely love to go and hopefully we're out there next year. And obviously, if you haven't listened to the previous episode of this show, check it out. Derek had a lot of awesome interviews with some Rams legends, with some Rams fanatics, and of course, Johnny, who is not here tonight. But we got Derek on, and we got a good show for you guys. We're going to get into our second part of breaking down the schedule on this podcast. That'll be weeks five through eight, and then later on, we're going to hit some fantasy football topics, talking about some of the potential comeback players that missed big chunks of last season with injuries. So let's get right into it with the schedule. We talked about weeks one through four already. I had the Rams going three and one with a loss in week four against Minnesota. Johnny had them going four and oh. And as I mentioned, not being homers anymore because we're actually good. So week five is <laughs> right. Derek, what, what do you think for the first four games? We had the Raiders the Cardinals, the Chargers, the Vikings. Do you see us coming out of there for now? See, the Raiders is, is on the road, right? Yep. I'm taking that with a win. Arizona's the Cardinals. Home and the I got Chargers a 2 and 0. Chargers at home. Vikings. Uh, I'm going to go 3 and 1. Yeah. 3 and 1. That's what I said. And I the Vikings are obviously beatable, but after last season, I think the Vikings will either be as good or slightly improved. And the way they whooped us last year, even though I hope we come out and whoop them and win, I just don't want to sit here and predict it. And we're going to have to predict some losses here. I'm not going to pick the team to go 16-0. and So that was one of the ones I settled on. And I'll be happy to win. I think it'll be an awesome game. I think it'll be more adjacent to the game we had with them a couple of years ago that was awesome up in Minnesota. I was actually there, Gopher Stadium. Uh, than it was last year's horrific game that we played. One of our worst games. Anyways, let's move on to week five at Seattle. Seattle went nine and seven last year. They were the runners up in the division. The last time the Rams played in Seattle, it was probably the greatest game in the history of the NFL. I think it was (laughs) safe to say that was the best performance on the field by the Rams they've ever had. It was the most enjoyment I've ever had watching a game, I think. And if you don't remember... It was an absolute slaughter, 40-point victory. So that being said, Seattle wasn't all that bad last year. That game wasn't an indication. What What are you expecting from Seattle this year? Do you think they're still our biggest competition in the division? Well, a couple things. A, I've seen more dominant Rams victories. I just want to point that out there. I think you're uh... – your, your youth is showing here. Okay. No, no, you're not wrong. But against a team, uh, I this is more we got to put it in context too. Against a team that, while we've had their number somehow in the last couple of years, they've kind of dominated the division for the last couple of years with some little run-ins from San Fran and Arizona, obviously. So for us to go into the twelfth man and just brutally destroy them, I think there's been bigger wins. There's been weirder wins, too. We've had weirder blowouts in recent memory. But, I mean, come on. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun to watch. I'm not lying to you there. I think it was a, a very, uh, well, shall I say, it felt really, really good to watch that game. I did. Normally, with, when it comes to those high-profile games, you want to be close. You want high drama. Screw that. When they're playing Seattle, when they're playing San Francisco, I want to blow out. Yeah. Period. I want destruction. They've never hesitated to to destroy the Rams. Why on earth would I be cool just having this close game? No, I want a blowout. I want a message sent. And that's what they did last time out. This time, oh boy. You know, I'd, their offseason to me was really weird. It, was it not? I, Shaq Griffin, love that pick. The rest of the draft, weird to me. Rashad Penny, I know we're going to talk about him in a minute. They're taking the first round, but who's going to block for him? Yeah. I'm that just was, confused. That's, that's the biggest concern for Seattle, obviously. Their offensive line was not good last year. Russell Wilson was basically running for his life, and credit to him, because if they made the playoffs, I would have voted him. I don't have a vote, 
But if they made the playoffs, he would have been my MVP because he straight up put that team on his back. He was getting no help from the line. He was getting no help from the running game. He was getting some help from his receivers, but not a ton of it. And that man was playing out of his mind until he ran into Aaron Donald and the Rams defense. And I'm sure he's getting nightmares thinking about playing against the Rams this season because with Ndamukong Sue on the line, that's, that's a lot of big boys for him to deal with. But, yeah, I agree. They didn't they didn't do much to bolster their offensive line. It looks like they're going to have faith in an offensive line that honestly wasn't very good last year. And for them to go out in the draft and pick up one offensive lineman in the sixth round, it's definitely surprising and a strange move. Well, they have some guys come back from injury. Yeah. And I think they're counting on that. But – you know, they weren't all that good before those guys got hurt. So I, I don't know what to think of it. I do know what to tell you this is Seattle still is not done. I don't think they're dropping down to be a two and fourteen teammate or anything like that. I think they're gonna be a nine and seven, eight and eight team all over again, and I think they'll be a challenge. I, this game will definitely be closer come week five of next year. It'll be a closer game and uh, you know, this is hope that the Rams can go in there and get another win. Yeah. And before we get to predictions here, we do got to talk about my my player of interest this week, and that's Rashad Penny, who we just mentioned. They chose to go running back instead of offensive line to bolster their running game in the first round. Rashad Penny, first-round pick out of San Diego State University, where another legendary running back, Marshall Falk, came out of, ran for over 2,000 yards at San Diego State. So this guy was, was no scrub. But do you believe that this Rashad Penny will be able to become the feature back and turn the Seattle running game around. That's really kind of been absent since Marshawn Lynch retired or retired before he came back. Well, before he exited stage left, you mean? Yes. Okay. There you go. Enter the doldrums of Oakland. I'd say you break your question in two parts. Will he be the feature back? Yes. Yes. It's, without a shadow of a doubt, he is their guy. Will he save the running game? No, he won't. No, he won't, because it's not the running backs that were the problem. It was the offensive line. And until they solve that problem, it's not going to be what they hope it'll be. I it just, I still, my mind is blown at the the lack of movement in the offseason for the offensive line, especially when they have so many issues there. Completely blows my mind. Yeah, and we've seen it firsthand with Todd Gurley. He was able to punch out those incredible first four or five games his rookie season. Then he's really, and I talked about it at length, getting prepared for last season. He had 24 games out of 25 where he didn't reach 100 yards, including an entire season. A bad offensive line will do that to you, and he was more crippled, too, with the lack of any semblance of a passing game. Now, Rashad Penny, while the line is not up to par and he might struggle as a rookie coming out with that the good news for him is that the passing game in seattle will be respected because of how good russell wilson is so i'm not ready to say he will save it but i think it's very very reasonable to expect a better running game from seattle this year how good that will be it'll depend on how good he is and how improved the line is and that he's definitely someone i'm going to be watching and i think by week five We'll have a better idea of that. Now, last week we talked about my – how worried about we about these games' rankings. And number one was Minnesota, who we talked about last week. I have this game number two. And it's more of just a gut feeling than any actual facts or knowledge here. And just that we went out and we really embarrassed these guys last year. We just shamed them in front of their home fans. And – this is a rivalry. It's been intense for the last couple of years. Seattle has a lot of players who have been personally invested in this rivalry a long time, including their coach and their quarterback. I don't think they want to lose this game. This might be the most important game of their season, given that it's a division game. It's It means a lot. And coming off the loss last year, that's they got to come out and prove themselves. And while this is a big game for us, I don't think this is our most important game of the year. And that's why my gut is telling me that for my prediction, I think we we drop this one. I think this is a loss, and with my rankings, we would fall to three and two. How do, how do you feel? Do you think we win or lose this? I think they win. It's 
I, I disagree. I just think that it is an important game for them. This schedule is among the toughest in the league for the Rams. They need to win, especially in the division, because of that tough schedule. And don't forget, the 49ers have a two-game kind of cushion due to their their fourth-place schedule, even though they're they're being predicted to be probably the number two team in the, in the division. Yeah. So I, I don't see it as, hey, they can take it easy or it's not as important. I think it is important. I think it's important mentally. You went in there and you broke these guys. There's no doubt in anyone's mind here that in that game last year, the Rams went in and they broke the Seahawks. It's just... You, all you have to do is watch the film. You don't want to give that back to them now. You want to go in there and smash them. I'm not saying they will smash. I think it'll be a close game, but I think the Rams win. Yeah, and like I said, this is a gut feeling. I mean, we're going to be the favorites in this game. This is a game we should win. I just, I, I'm i nervous. I think that Pete Carroll is a good coach. I think he's he's not going to want to let that happen again. And honestly, I feel like they might win this in a close game or we might just blow them out again. I don't know because their line's not that improved. Our defensive line is improved even with the loss of a couple outside linebackers here. But I don't know. This this one will be fun. And, yeah, well, Johnny will be back in a couple weeks when we get to Seattle again. But I think by the time we're at week five, my prediction might change. Who knows? It's just a gut feeling for now. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to week six and kind of one of the – least memorable games on our schedule is at Denver who went five and 11 last season. Very disappointing first year under Vance Joseph. Uh, Pretty much just disappointments on every position on the field, but that led to a member of the Ramley for life here. Case Keenum, our player of interest in Denver got a big payday from the Broncos after being a journeyman quarterback. And of course had his breakout season with the Vikings last year. What do we expect in Case Keenum's probably first season in his career since Houston where he's going into the season knowing that he's probably going to start 16 games if he's healthy? I don't expect much, if I'm honest. I think he knows the Rams well enough to be able to move around like he did in the Minnesota game last year. I think he has fewer weapons than Denver. Um, was he, we, sorry, he, he has just... <laughs> I'm all tongue-tied, dude. (laughs) Case Keenum has me tongue-tied. Listen, in Minnesota, he had weapons all over the place. All over the place. Guys who came back to the ball made plays. He does not have those kind of offensive weapons in in Denver. Bottom line. That's something that needs to be considered. The other part of it is it's going to be a new team, a new system. doesn't have his old coaching staff. I just don't see him doing what he did in Minnesota last year. I, I believe well, we've seen case play. He is to me an NFL quarterback. He, to me, he's a fringe starter, but the the guy played out of his mind last year. And there's a reason why Minnesota let him go because he's to me, he's probably a one hit wonder. He'll probably never have a season like he had last year again. Yeah. I'm not worried. No, I think that's reasonable because that was really dream season. I do think you underrate Denver's weapons a little bit because Demarius Thomas made Tim Tebow look good. That's my guy. No disrespect to Timmy. Yeah, like he, 10 years ago. Yeah, but he. I think Demarius Thomas has still got it. I think Emmanuel Sanders is an underrated player. I think Cortland Sutton, second-round pick, he, he has a lot of upside. Now, I'm not saying these guys are Diggs and Thielen and Kyle Rudolph, but I don't think the drop-off is that steep. Now, when you talk about the running backs, I don't, I don't really believe in Devontae Booker. Royce Freeman, we'll see. Um, obviously, it's not even as good as Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray were last year. But I don't think it's as drastic in terms of their offensive weapons not being that great. Now, what I don't believe in, and which I think, I think Keenum will be fine. I think he'll be what they signed him to be. But Mike Zimmer is a really good coach. The Vikings got a lot out of their offense. They got a lot out of Case Keenum. They got a lot out of Adam Thielen. They got a lot even out of Sam Bradford last year, guys that had had never performed like they did in Minnesota. And even even Jarek McKinnon because he's been there before Mike Zimmer. Vance Joseph is not Mike Zimmer. He might be the worst coach out of the 32 coaches in the league. 
Now, no disrespect to him. It's a hard thing to do to get an NFL coaching job. There's only 32 of them. But do you have any faith that Vance Joseph is the guy that's going to get the team over the hump? Or is is he just really an interim guy until they think they're ready to compete? I was just trying to think of a worse coach. Uh, Dirk Cotter comes to mind. Uh, Pretty much almost everybody who coached the Rams from 1995 to – He's definitely not the worst coach ever. Except like, for Mike Martz and, and yeah, uh, I mean, I don't want to disrespect him that bad. He's not the worst coach ever, but I think among active coaches, you're not really going to list anybody definitively below him as a worst coach. I mean, Dirk Cotter, Dirk Cotter's down there, but I want to I'm going to throw a name at you cuz you really should know this. His name is Hugh Jackson. He's 1 in 31 with the Cleveland Browns. You got you. I got you. Nailed you. Know, you. you know Took what? So long. You know what? 0 16 and 1 15. Make the case for, for Vance Joseph being worse than Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackman had a pretty good season in Oakland and got fired after it. That's I'm not gonna Think I'm not gonna that. sit here and hard Think debate about you. That. Man, he got fired after having a, a pretty good season in Oakland. Yeah, but they were firing everybody. They fired everybody. Uh, I I won't argue that he's not worse than Vance Joseph. He because he might be, but. Regardless, Vance Joseph, at this point in what we're saying, isn't a top three coach. And the other guy, like you said, has gone one in 31. So, I mean, like, dude, I, I don't know what, like, I have no faith in this guy as a guy that's going to get Denver out of the gutter. I don't obviously have any faith in him. I, I think that he'll be gone after this season. The Broncos have too much talent defensively to be that bad. They're not going to be a 1-15 team or anything like that, but they're not going to be out there world beating. They're just not going to be. And we're going to find out real quick that Case Keenum's not the answer either. They're going to look for another guy in the draft next year. Watch. That's just how it's going to be. Yeah, and I think they're already out on Paxton Lynch. And I will give John Elway some credit because coaches usually don't deserve to be fired after one season. See Hugh Jackman in Hugh Jackson, not, not the Wolverine, in Oakland. and But at the same time, we saw Jim Tomasula get fired after one season in San Francisco and everybody was okay with it because sometimes you just know that these guys might be better as coordinators. And Finchos is going to work in the NFL for a long time. I don't think he's going to be a head coach for a long time, but he's not going to be jobless. Now, as far as are we worried about this game, I had this 11 out of 16. I think just because it's in the middle of a road stretch. It's in Denver, which is a tough place to play. Is that too high? Because this might be the worst team we play all year. I'm not so sure they'll be the worst team. I think it depends on a lot of factors. I think the Cardinals could be a lot better next year or a lot worse. The same for Oakland. It, it just really depends. Detroit's a question mark. They could be good again. They could be a mess again. Chicago, I, I don't know. Thing. Chicago, that defense is so good. They had a bunch of weapons. I don't know, man. Yeah. No, I, I honestly kind of like the Chicago, and I'll, we'll be talking about that when we get to the Chicago game. But go on. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's the worst team. I think that I think they might surprise some people just by the, just that defense alone can win them some games. Yeah. But they're not going to this game. Yeah, I agree. I think this is going to be a unanimous win from everyone on the Rams Huck staff that this is not a game we're too worried about. <laughs> Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams history with a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood team, Grit and Glam, the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out his son's story about his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin. Elroy Crazelegs Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spent the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's also available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can find this book also, hey, also, through other various booksellers on the internet. Folks, I'm telling you, I've read this book cover to cover. It's worth every penny out there that Rams fans can spare. It's not expensive, 
but it's a great story. It's great history. Trust me. Check it out. Hollywood's Teen Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. Let's move on to week seven with another divisional game at San Francisco. Sunday night football. This is our third primetime game of the year. We're at week seven. What the hell is going on? We've had seasons where we haven't played zero primetime games. So San Francisco, obviously the story is Jimmy Garoppolo took over. They were one in 10 when he took over. They finished six and 10. Now they had a kind of a gimme win against the Rams at the end of the year. But still, even if you take that away, he won four straight before that game. Are you a believer in the 49ers? No. Me neither. No. I think when we had Kevin Molina from the Niners Hub on, and he was on uh, what, a couple months ago, and he said something that was really kind of key. They're a year away. But there are too many holes in the roster for them right now. And I look at it and go, yeah, they've had a good draft. They, they've they made a move for their quarterback. I think Jimmy Garopp, Garoppolo will be a good quarterback. I'm not sure he's as great as he were making him out to be. I don't think he's a savior. I watched him throw two interceptions against – a very very uh, bad Rams secondary in that in that uh, week seventeen debacle when the whole Rams defense was pretty much on the bench. I just don't. I'm sorry, I don't see it. No, I just don't see it. I, I kind of agree with everything you said, and uh, something I compare this to, and I don't know if anyone is going to get this reference, but there was a year. I think it was Jason Kidd's first year with the Bucks, where the team. I think they won like 42 games. They've made the playoffs amount a week conference. And I was sitting there like, this team is really young and really overachieved. Don't be surprised if they disappoint next year and miss the playoffs. And I believe they missed the playoffs or snuck in as an eight seed and got beat. And look at him now. Look at Giannis. We know, we know the whole story. But San Francisco is kind of similar in that those wins with Garoppolo at the end of the year were a blessing because you know that he's going to be a guy. He's going to be a stud in this league for a long time. He'll be a starting quarterback for a long time, and the trade worked out because they got their franchise guy. But it might be a little bit of a curse because it puts some expectations on this team that, hey, they finished the year on a five-game win streak. They should be the main competitors for the Rams in the division. And I'm not ready to say that. I think Seattle is still – they're not the Seattle of old, but they're somewhere in between the Seattle of old and the Seattle of not good. And Arizona – We've talked about them. We'll talk about them again. They're interesting because they got some players, but I will see if they could put it together. I think it is too early. And my player of interest here is a guy that's getting a lot of buzz in the fantasy world, and that's Jarek McKinnon, who people are people are thinking he's going to be the feature back in San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan likes to use his running backs. He showed it, a lot of it in Atlanta, of course, and to a lesser extent in Washington. But are we sure Jarek McKinnon is good? No. <laughs> I don't think so either. And I I know fantasy football is all about opportunities, but I still don't like drafting guys that I don't think are that good. Like, this is a stupid example because this guy actually is good, but Doug Baldwin was so mediocre for so long that I just struggle to take him in, like, the second or third rounds now because even though he's proven he's good, and I was wrong, he's a good player, but, like, I just, like, there's guys that don't pass the eye test and have – had really rough stretches where you're just like, I don't think this guy's that good. Like, I can't imagine him being a, a beast in terms of fantasy. And McKinnon could be. He had some stretches of genuinely solid play last year. But, I don't know, for, for him really to be the only, like, guy that you could see handling the rock a lot on their roster, that concerns me a little bit about the running game. The 49ers are not built for his style. No. They're not. They never were. Why they let somebody like Carlos Hyde go and and not replace Hyde with another banger, I have no idea. That's not how the 49ers are built. They're not built for McKinnon's style. And quite frankly, McKinnon had every opportunity imaginable in Minnesota when Dalvin Cook went down. And he was just okay. Yeah. He was okay. That, and that's not good enough. So, no, I, I don't really see him as being a guy who will make much of an impact. He'll have – he'll be – a Tavon Austin on steroids is what he'll be. He'll have a couple great games here, and then he'll disappear for a couple. Well, I'm not ready to go that far. I'm I'm not going to throw him that deep down the gutter, but I I don't think that – I think you're right about that. Uh, this is just something I want to throw out. Fun fact, 
undrafted free agent on the 49ers, Dante Pettis, is the cousin of Rams legend Austin Pettis. I just saw his name on the depth chart when I was doing research for this podcast, and I was like, is that Austin Pettis' brother? Cousin. Anyways, that's that's kind of the good stuff you're going to get out of this podcast is stupid facts like that. So this is just – before we we'll go into the are we worried scale, and we'll get into that now actually. I have this 10 out of 16. I'm not really worried about the 49ers, but this is the third game on a home stretch. It's Monday, or Sunday night football. What, why did we get three straight home games and then three straight road games? Like well, who looked at that and thought that was a good idea instead of mixing them up a little bit? I thought the NFL looked at schedule, looked at the fact the Rams are going to Mexico, looked at the the way it shakes up with five primetime games, and that's how it went being ordered. I, don't, I think it's actually helpful in a lot of ways because it enables them to have them five primetime games. And yeah. that's probably not the answer you want to hear, but that's why they had it. It's a lot easier to put a schedule out there when you don't have to worry about primetime games and television and so on and so forth. So... Also, if we look at their mileage, even though this team still travels a lot, they're not traveling nearly as much this year as they did last year. Yeah, and those three those three road games, it's Seattle, it's Denver, it's 49ers. Uh, those teams, obviously, there's still some distance, but you're basically staying in the same time zone. You go, what, Denver's a time zone over, right? It's not in the same time yeah, zone. Yeah, mountain time. But it's not that far. So you're not you're not traveling too, too far on that road trip. You... You're close enough where I think you can go home in between games. You're not going to need to stay out there. So that is beneficial. But I just I just thought that was kind of bizarre that they went three and then three. But anyways, let's make our prediction on this one. I think this is a win. Like I said, 10 out of 16. I'm not really that worried about it. I had it slightly above Denver only because it's the end of the homestand and it's prime time and it's San Francisco, who's our rival, one of them, and – we had a really intense game with them last year. The year before, we got obliterated by them in primetime. So our primetime history in the last years with San Francisco is not great, but I, I'm not worried about this game, really. I think it'll be a win. It could be a shootout. wouldn't shock me, but I expect a somewhat comfortable win. I'm calling it a win, too, for different reasons. I look at the schedule. The following is a home game against Green Bay. Green Bay is really good. They got... Through the draft, through fridge, they got a ton better. They're going to have their quarterback back health and healthy. I just kind of look at it going, hmm, if I'm the Rams, I'm looking at that 49 game going, you know what? That Green Bay game could be a trap for us in terms of heading down the skids and this tough schedule. Let's make sure we get there in San Francisco and win that game. So I, I think the mindset's going to be win day by game, game by game, day by day. Um, don't, don't take the foot off the pedal. We have Green Bay coming next week. Let's go. Yeah. So, I'm with you. And, go ahead. And quite frankly, the behavior of the 49ers after that Ram game in Week 17 was was pretty ridiculous. It's stuff you it's, it's bulletin board material. It's stuff you go. How are you going to say that after the Rams basically put their third stringers out there to play you? You're talking about how you know the Rams this and the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl next year and so on and so forth and. You know what? I would not be surprised the Rams go out there and just light it into them. Yeah. Congrats, guys. You beat Sean Mannion. Good for you. You're the <laughs> only team in the NFL that's beaten Sean Mannion. So I guess you guys got that going for you. Anyways, we mentioned Green Bay. Obviously, they went 7-9 and nine last year, but this is a team where Aaron Rodgers is back. And when Aaron Rodgers is on the field, even if they're outmatched, they could basically beat anybody. I mean, he is he the best player that we're going to face this season? If he plays, yes. Are you worried that he that about his health? Yeah, I am. I've been concerned about his health. I mean, he is. I just look back through his injury history, and it's not perfect. When that team does not have him, it falls apart. So, yeah, I, I wonder if he'll stay healthy the whole season. I wonder if the Greenby offensive line can keep him up right against the Rams, for that matter. Yeah, I I'm not too worried about his health, but um. I think they brought in Deshaun Kaiser, who's obviously his track record is not good, but kind of as a fallback plan in case something happens or really just to have a backup that they could develop behind him because, as we learned last year, Brett Hundley, he showed some flashes near the end there, but probably not good 
probably not going to be an NFL quarterback here. So, Aaron, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, I think he's the player I'm most scared of playing. We obviously play some very good players, you know, David Johnson, Bob Miller, Carson Wentz, you name a few. But Aaron Rodgers is frightening because he wins games by himself, and he's proven it time and time again that, wow, we know how good Tom Brady is. I think Aaron Rodgers is pound-for-pound skill-wise the best quarterback in the league and potentially the best player. Anyways, my player of interest for this game is Randall Cobb, a name that we didn't hear much about last year because they lose Jordy Nelson, and while they bring in Jimmy Graham, they don't bring in another receiver. The running backs are kind of interesting because we don't know how they're going to use Ty Montgomery, whether he's going to be more of a receiver. We don't know if it's going to be Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams carrying the bulk of the work, but it kind of all comes down to Randall Cobb is going to have a big role in this offense this year and he hasn't proven that he could carry that load or done it in a, in a while do you think he has anything left in the tank and is it a mistake to kind of be relying on him to be a, the number two receiver that in the two parts first part i think that he will do just fine i believe that he's, a, he's got enough in the tank uh, he's he's just too talented Honestly, and that offense is is wide open enough. They need players to step up. You, you've seen some years there where the Packers number four receivers had a career year, so I'm not worried about him production wise. Now, does that mean that the team should trust him? No, I wouldn't trust him. I, you know, he's been too inconsistent. Again, it's like Tavon Austin on steroids. Yeah. You know, he'll appear for a couple games and disappear, and then, you know, you never know. So I just, I like his talent. I just don't know that you can count on him as a number two guy. I think he'll produce, though. I want to make a petition to call him Percy Harvin Light instead of Tavon Austin on steroids. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, what is Tavon Austin on steroids? Like, is it, is it, how much better is it? Is it that good? Is it Tyler Lockett? Is that what Tavon Austin on steroids is? So, Randall Cobb, yeah, I I do think he has something left in the tank. It'll be interesting. I think we'll know quickly if he has something left in the tank because if he doesn't produce quickly, they're probably going to give Geronimo Allison a chance maybe to prove that he could step in there. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting, and I think Jimmy Graham will give him a sense of relief in terms of being the big target in the red zone that Jordy Nelson was and filling the touchdown role even though I don't think he can fill the yardage role as much I don't know how much he has left in the tank I think he's got a little bit but that might be another discussion so yeah I think we've talked about enough on that now we've talked about Aaron Rodgers a bit do you have faith that our new and improved secondary and the new and improved defensive line slash kind of less improved pass rush along the edge. Do you think that'll be enough to shut down Aaron Rodgers at a home game? I do. I do. I uh, I think that given who, what the Rams have in their secondary especially, you're going to see a lot of blanket coverage. And honestly, looking at the front line there, that offensive line for Green Bay is not a good matchup when it comes to that Rams defensive line. That Rams defensive line is going to eat them alive. I honestly believe that. So I, I think that if the Rams defense comes in healthy, this is a win. If it comes in healthy. And, of course, if, if the offense just does okay. Yeah. I think this is a win, too. I'm – am I – are we worried, Scale? I actually have this a 5 out of 16 pretty much because of everything we mentioned about Aaron Rodgers. You mentioned this is definitely a potential trap game. It's back at home. Well, that's good. They might think they have a little advantage there, and it, you never you never really bet against Rodgers. I'm going to bet against him here just because I do think that our new and improved secondary will be able to contain him, and I, I have faith in this one. I think this is going to be a win, even though I am a little concerned about it. So I would have the team here 6-2, and two, and you got them 7-1? and one. I do, 7-1. and one. Yeah, and I'm sure Johnny will have them 8-0. and oh. Knowing him, but, uh, I mean six six and two even that that's fine with me. If we finish twelve and four, I'd be maybe a tad disappointed. And 
I don't think I'm going to have us finishing 12 and four. I think 13 and three is probably around the range I'm in, but seven and one would be fantastic. This is a, a tough stretch of games in a way. It's going to get tougher. I think the three games after this are at Seattle home against the Seahawks, Mexico city against the chiefs. So it, it gets a little easier after that, even though we have the Eagles and the stretch, but I think this stretch here of at San Francisco, home against Green Bay, at Seattle, at sorry, at New Orleans, home against Seattle, in Mexico City. That's a tough five game stretch, and that's going to be a big test for this Rams team. It will be, and I think that in a lot of ways, it's also going to be a test of their depth. We've mentioned before the Rams got lucky last year with their injuries. There's no doubt they they didn't have the massive catastrophic injuries they've had in the past. Who's to say they're going to have that kind of luck again next year with a tougher schedule? So I'm talking 7-1. and one. Just look at the team now. But what if what if Aaron Donald gets hurt? Heaven forbid. What if Jared Goff gets hurt? Todd Gurley gets hurt? Everything changes. So I'm a little concerned. Yeah, and I think cause it's a bit longer discussion. On another podcast, we should talk about the Rams' backup quarterback situation because I really – if Jared Goff gets hurt, I really don't feel good. But, yeah, I think we get through that stretch that after week 11, two losses, I think, would be the goal. We're at 9-2. I think we'd feel really good about that. 10-1 and one would be fantastic. I think even 8-3 and three is fine because then you could even drop that Eagles game and still finish 12-4, and four, and that's – no one's missing the playoffs at 12-4. and four. So I think while – I, I want to see this team probably finish 13-3, and 14-2. I think as long as we get out of here with less than four losses after, into the bye week, we're going to be fine, and we're going to be a team that people are not going to mess with in the playoffs. Okay, I think we talked about the schedule here. Let's give a sh- quick shout-out before we get into the fantasy talk to our sponsor, the Golden Ram Barbershop, the original sponsor of the podcast. If you guys are in the Orange County area and you're looking to get a pair cut with an old-school barber experience, you've got to check out the Golden Ram over at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California, 92683. Your barber, Sal Martinez, he opened the shop as a shrine of the Rams on the day they left for St. Louis. He kept the lights on. He kept the faith. And soon enough, they came home and they returned. And the barbershop was open the whole time. And it's still open. You can get Sal by appointment only, so make sure you give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows we sent you and get a discount on an already affordable haircut. This is the Golden Ram Barbershop. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., and on Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Sundays, you know where Sal is. He's watching the game. You might even see him at the tailgates. So one more time, that's Sal Martinez at the Golden Ram Barbershop, 714-894-7267. A visit to a shop is worth it just for all the memorabilia, but then you're going to get an old-school barbershop experience. You can talk some old-school football. You can talk some no-school football. Trust me, guys, you're not going to regret hitting the Golden Ram. All right, so we're going to talk a little fantasy football, and I thought a good topic that with Derek on here is – we're going to talk about guys that are coming back from injuries, guys that missed big chunks last season or almost basically the entire season or even just went down near the end. I'm going to give you their ranking based on Fantasy Pro's half point point per reception rankings. And I'm going to give you their ADP based on the ranking from a 12-team league. So it's not the ADP. It's just what it would be from the rankings and if they went, if a draft went by the rankings where they would get drafted. My first guy is David Johnson. He's the number three running back, and he's the number three player overall. He's returning from a broken wrist. Do you have any concerns about Johnson's health this season? No. No. Me neither. <laughs> me neither. I, we talked about him last week. He is a stud. If he's healthy, he's going to be great. I don't think this injury is a concern. I know there were some talks about him struggling with something during camp, but it seemed very minor. So my question for you, Derek, you have the first pick. Are you considering Johnson? Or let's say second, because we're Rams fans. We're probably taking Todd Gurley number one. Oh. I. I mm. 
let me give you the top guys. There's going to be Johnson. There's going to be Le'Veon Bell. There's going to be Ezekiel Elliott. There's going to be Antonio Brown. There's Kamara, Hopkins, Beckham, but I don't think those guys are in the mix at number two. I'm taking I'm taking Bell. I'm not taking Johnson. I agree. It has nothing to do with him. It has everything to do with his his people around him, especially quarterback. I'm not sure there. Totally. And I think Bell, I, I've I've got articles out around the web about Gurley and Johnson in their competition for number one pick. You can check out the Gurley one on Rams Talk, of course. I think Bell is the safest out of these three, including Gurley, just because we kind of know what we're going to get with Bell. He's been consistent. The coaching offensive coordinator has changed, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of changes in that system. And I think Bell, for lack of a better word, is still going to be the bell cow. And he's going to get receptions. All three of them are going to get receptions. But Gurley, while he was the best last year, he had a bad season before that. Bell has never really had a bad season since his rookie year. Johnson was better than Gurley when he played two years ago. He's better than Gurley was last year during his 2016 year. But I, there's a new quarterback. There's a new coach. He missed a whole year. While I'm not that concerned, I think number three is where I'd happily take him. I wouldn't hold it against anyone if they take him number one. I wouldn't hold anyone against if they don't want to take him until five. I think that five can move around a little bit. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about his injury. And I think if you believe in David Johnson, take him as high as you want. I'm not going to judge you for it. Let's talk about a bit more risky pick here. And not not too risky, but Dalvin Cook, who we mentioned earlier. He's a number 10 running back overall, and he's a number 17 player. So that would be 2.5 for an ADP for him going off the rankings. Do you think we can expect Cook to kind of be the three-down back this year, even after the injury? And you think he could handle it? Well, I don't expect him to be right away. And so if you're trying to get out there and get a record, your team's record up higher in, in the first part of the season, I'm not sure I'd be so keen to take him there because I don't think he'll be a three-down back immediately. I think they're going to try and ease him in. They're going to limit his carries. They're going to try and take care of him, make sure that knee's stable enough to take some hits at least. So I don't – because of that and because my full season's at risk here, I'm not so sure I'm going to take Dalvin Cook that early. Yeah. I actually think um, I think 2.5 is probably just about right for Dalvin Cook. While I don't think he's going to have the monster workload he had, I think Murray is going to vulture some touchdowns from him at the goal line. But I think the good news for him is that McKinnon is out, and so by default he's going to continue to be the passing down back. And I think if he comes out swinging and looks good, well, I don't think he'll get crazy, crazy like Ezekiel Elliott workload numbers because I do think Similar to what Gurley had when Benny Cunning was here, we might see Murray spell him for full drives at times or chunks of it. But I do think he's when he's out there, he's going to get two to three down work, and he might get spelled to play here and there. He might not see as many red zone carries as you'd like, which is a concern when you're taking a running back at 2.5. But the guys in his range, Melvin Gordon's 14, A.J. Green's 15, Fournette 16, Devontae Adams 18, Devonta Freeman 19. I would consider Freeman ahead of him, but I, if you want him at 2.5, I think it's fine. I think that's that's honestly a good spot for him. I think really anywhere in the second round is where I would target him. If you can get him later than that, I think it's an incredible value pick because he was killer during those couple of games he played last year. But it's also a very small sample size, so that's something to worry about. Another guy here, Allen Robinson, who got injured like Johnson I believe it was week one, very quickly. He was number 20 wide receiver, number 41 overall, good for an ADP of 4.5. The difference with him between the other two is, while Johnson's in a new situation, Al Robinson's on a completely new team. His quarterback is Mitch Trubisky in Chicago, who hasn't proven anything. But as we know with Jared Goff, that doesn't always matter. Now, should we cool our expectations for Allen Robinson, given he's in a new New quarterback, new team, new coach. I'm not going anywhere near him, man. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere near him. I can look at guys, you know, you you have written some some similar ranked guys: Alshon Jeffrey, Golden Tate, Josh Gordon, Smith Schuster. Schuster. I take every single one of them over him. I'm not going near him. I'm not risking it. Yeah, 
I think he has a lot of upside because he is really good. But I think there's so many question marks in the system with the new coach, with the new quarterback, that 4.5 is tough. And the guys near him, I think Golden Tate is a surefire thing to take over him. I think Alshon Jeffrey probably is. Josh Gordon, that's that's another conversation I'm going to have on this podcast at a later date. Juju, I think I'd probably go Juju over him too. I think while Juju presents some risks because he's got a small sample size too, and you never know if his numbers are going to be able to increase because of the Antonio Brown and Bell are there. But Robinson, that's tough. I do like his upside. I think if I can get him in the fifth, if I get him in the sixth, I'll be ecstatic. If I get him in the fifth, I might take him there depending on how the rest of my roster is played out, depending on high-valued receivers early on. You know, if you go running back, running back, tight end receiver, I think he's the guy that's going to be interesting because he does have wide receiver one upside, and he's proven that he can produce with a mm-hmm. bad quarterback. You know, he even if Trubisky's not great, Robinson was great with Blake Bortles, who we know is not that good. So just, just on the side, you, how do you feel about Trubisky? Do you think he could have kind of a Goff-esque leap given the coach they brought in? Uh, I I wasn't a big Trubisky fan coming out of college. I didn't really believe in him too much then. Don't believe him now. I don't, you know, weather also is going to have an effect on him where he's playing in Chicago. It's not the same as when you're playing in L.A. So you're going to have different things affecting your ball when you throw it. You're in a different, you're in a different division. And that division is, is uh, well, let's just say they're a bit feisty up front. I don't know. I don't, I don't see it as a division where he can grow quickly. It's, there's not going to put a whole offense, offensive numbers up there. I don't know. I'm staying away from Trubisky. Yeah. I, I'm definitely not drafting many fantasy leagues, but I wouldn't be shocked if he had a nice leap. Maybe not as big as Goff had, but I think Robinson could produce. Now, it's steep where they're taking him. You know, If you could have him or Golden Tate, I, I don't think you should question it at all. I think Tate is kind of an undervalued guy given that he's going to be their guy and he always puts up solid numbers. So Robinson's a swing, a swing that, that high I'm not willing to willing to make. Folks, by the way, if you want to avoid injuries in the summertime, you kind of want to, you know, don't want to be out there running, biking, instead of being in the pool, hey, check out Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Remodeling. They can help get your pool ready to roll. They're at 4780 East Wesley Avenue in Anaheim, California. Jayhawk Pool Plaster Modeling serves Orange County and the Southland. Hey, and they're run by Jayhawk, the eldest son of former Ram, John Hawk. He built his business on a mantra of fantastic results and amazing customer service. So just head on over to jayhawkpools.com and take a look at their work. You can see the quality of their finishes and in the testimonies provided by past customers. If you're looking to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool, give Jayhawk a call at 714-695-0700. Again, that's 714-695-0700. You can also email them at info at jayhawkpools.com. Folks, this is a great opportunity to support our podcast and help fellow members of the Rams family. If you live out in the area, give Jayhawk Pool Plaster a call. You'll be glad you did. Let's move on to probably an even bigger swing, and that's Deshaun Watson, number five quarterback overall, 59th ranked guy in fantasy pros. His ADP currently is 511 now, you got to keep in mind that these are the expert rankings. Experts tend to not have quarterbacks that high. So if you want Deshaun J- Watson, you're not getting him at 5.11. You're going to have to reach probably into the late fourth round, I would guess, is going to be where his ADP settles. And a lot of leagues can be even higher. He was playing at a historic pace last year. He was dominating for his couple of games. He's putting up crazy numbers he became one of the most valuable fantasy players not just quarterbacks but probably was one of the five best players while he was playing do you think that he could get close to that ridiculous level that he played at this year i think he can given the injury history he has he's overcome injuries in the past it's not anything new to him i've always been a deshaun watson fan i I, however where at that position, fourth, fifth round, it's you know, I can quarterback that early, and you know well, someone's going going to take well, him that early. And I'm I've been one I've been a person who's been known to do that, but I'm going to take it on somebody I really believe. In. I'm not going to go risk messing my fantasy team up on a guy who's who's had injuries. So I'd say, you know, I think he'll be fine. I think that if he were to fall, you know, 
a bit further in the draft, I think I would jump on him pretty easily, but I'm not going to go get him there. Yeah, I think at 5'11", I'd gladly take him because the upside's pretty big to pass up, and that's a good spot to take one of the top five-ranked quarterbacks. But, yeah, I don't – I can't imagine he falls that far because I think in a lot of leagues you'll see him as the second quarterback off the board after Rodgers. I, I think Brady, too, might go ahead of him. But people are going to love that upside. People are going to know what he did last year. He's going to be he's going to be a guy that leaps a lot higher than his ranking. But I think if he falls to the 59th player, that's a no-brainer. I think I snag him. Well, we're getting short on time here, aren't we? <laughs> well, these we'll last talking for a while. Yeah, these last three will be quick. This one, Carson Wentz, number six QB, sixty-one overall. His ADP is six point one. Is we don't know his health yet. I think this will be something that gives us a little more clarity. But let's say he's not going to be back till week three, and let's say knowing that you probably got to get him in maybe the seventh round. Do you think he'd be worth it? And do you think there's any? Yep. Cons- yeah. Do you think there's any concern once he comes back that he's gonna have anything setting him back from this injury? Go get him. Go get him. Yeah, I agree. I think we'll see in camp what happens. If he's gonna play week one, I think he goes fifth round probably. If you can get him in the sixth, hell yeah, go grab that man. You can get him in the fifth. I think it depends on how you're valuing quarterbacks. If you're somebody that likes setting up a stud there, then yeah, fifth round, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. He was a beast last year. I'm I'm not worried about him health-wise. I think if he's out there, you you know what you're going to get and that what you're going to get is good. All right, let's let's talk about one last guy here who's a bit a bit on the way. Well, I want to make one more point there cuz I I I realize if someone's listening thinking, "Well, gee, uh, Derek's being a little inconsistent here." Watson and Wentz. Here's the difference. Wentz has a bigger offensive supporting cast. Watson does not. So if Watson comes back and he's reasonably healthy, not quite there, he just doesn't have support to help him get there like Carson Wentz does. Carson Wentz's offense is loaded. And that's the difference. That's why I, I'm going to take Wentz over Watson in similar situations right now because I think Wentz has more support. Just so, wanted to clarify that. So let's say this. Let's say Wentz is healthy in camp and he goes into week 100%. Would you take him in the fourth? Yeah, I would. Damn. Okay. I would because of, again, it's not just the fact that it's a quarterback in the PPR league. It's the fact that it's a he's a quarterback on a loaded offense. And that's going to make up – that's going to provide me a lot of points even at that high of a, of a place. I – I also know this, and this is in the back of my mind. Wentz has been injury prone throughout his career too. That's yeah. one of the concerns that came out for him in the draft when the Eagles took him, is that he's had his injuries, but he he was just so good, and he has such a big cast around him. I think he's worth the risk. Yeah, and I think their quarterback is really deep. There's drawbacks to taking a quarterback that early, but at the same time, even if you end up taking Wentz in the fourth. And like someone like Rivers or Stafford in the twelfth, which is really good value, you're still gonna feel better putting Wentz in your lineup than Philip Rivers. So, well, I understand both sides of the where you should draft quarterback thing because there's a lot of value, and the drop offs between quarterbacks is a lot less than the drop offs between running backs between the fourth and the twelfth round. But often you see teams in championships that have stuck quarterbacks, so. A quarterback is up to you, really, and I think Wentz, I don't think I'd take him as high as the fourth. I think mid-fifth, probably, if he's healthy, is where I'd like him, but I don't know if he'd be there. But I don't think he goes as high as Watson in most leagues. Last guy we're going to talk about here, Julian Edelman, number 40 receiver, 91 overall. That's 9.7. I don't think he will be available in the ninth round, even with the suspension. But do you think, given that he's out for four games, do you think he's going to have a sizable role waiting for him? And additionally, coming off that injury, is he going to be fine? Uh, I'll say this. I will be keeping my eye on Julian Elman. I will be paying close attention to him as he comes back. Will I go get him in the draft and stash him? 
No. No. The roster spots are too valuable. And it's not just a suspension, but you mentioned his injuries. If the injuries are there, how can you even justify going out there and, you know, taking a risk on him when you need that spot? Yeah. Well, I think it depends on where you get him. I'm not going to go up and get him. Now, I think his ADP is his ADP is 9.7, given the rankings. That's a spot where I think I would take him, especially depending on how your receiver situation shakes out. If you grab three studs high, he's fine to stash, and if he comes back, it's a good trade piece. If you go running back heavy, maybe take a quarterback and a tight end high, and you need starting receivers, you're not going to want to wait around for Edelman, even though when he comes back, he's going to be a starter. You might still be throwing away four games when you could grab somebody else at that spot that could potentially be a starter for you. You know, Randall Cobb is available around there. Will Fuller, a guy who was unstoppable during the couple games Watson played, so you never know. But I do think if he falls to the ninth round, that's a spot where I would definitely consider taking him, but there are risks. He did not play at all last year. He's 32 years old. He's been in the league for a long time playing out of the slot in a position where a small guy like him gets crushed a lot. But at the same time, he had a career high in yardage the last time he was on the field. The Patriots, they don't have Brandon Cooks anymore. They don't have Danny Amendola anymore. How much faith can they really have in Chris Hogan and Jordan Matthews? That's another discussion. I think if those guys aren't playing well during the first four weeks, Edelman is going to get the ball a lot when he comes back. So he's a guy that you want to keep an eye on, but I, he's it's not a guy that I'm going to go up and draft and get. I think if he slips... Is the guy you're gonna take, even if you don't. Oh, uh, I'm gonna take. A, I'm gonna give a hot take here and say I am taking Jordan Matthews over Julian Edelman. Woo! Yep. Okay, I like that. Well, just look at the production history of Tom Brady. I mean, Julian Edelman himself is evidence of that. A guy comes in and finds the you know just the right niche in that offense, and they blow up. I think Jordan Matthews is one of those guys. He gets in that offense with Tom Brady, he'll blow up. Yeah, I can see that happening. I think. He's got some talent, but he's another one of those, are we sure this guy's good candidates? Because he's bounced around. I, I don't know what like we really should expect from him. And I think a lot of players come into the Patriots system and blow up and just turn their careers around. A lot of guys show up to the Patriots system, and it does not work out, and they're they're gone. Ocho Cinco's career basically ended in new england and he was a much better player in his prime than any yeah but ojo cinco was already yeah he was a little washed he was a little washed. he was but... already done for the role he's for the role if you put ojo cinco in the same role i mean in terms of talent wise not not skill wise just talent wise then i think he succeeds but ojo cinco was already having health problems as it was it wasn't just that i mean heck tory holt Tory Holt goes to the Patriots. Right. Doesn't last. Tory Holt. And so sometimes it's more than just, hey, the name. And sometimes it's about how you fit and where you're going to go. In this case, I think Matthews fits. But there was a certain wide receiver who played with Brady that got hurt. What was his name? Wes Welker. Okay. Who stepped in? Yeah. And they brought in our guy, Danny Amendola, to do it. And, and Edelman, he, Edelman was on the bench. He didn't really do much the first couple of years. He's the one that stepped in and stole, basically stole Amadola's position until he kind of snuck back in there after Edelman's injury last year. So I would just say, looking at that, I think Matthews has a prime opportunity. I'm going to take that flyer because I think no matter what, Edelman's on the back end of his career. At this point in, in um, almost in track of time as as the as the night gets close to the end. At this point in, what's his name? Help me out. Tom Brady? No, 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 no. The other Edelman? Name. Matt Elman. Danny Amendola? No. Jordan Matthews? No. Well, Wes Welker? Rams. Welkers, yes. There we go. I played at for the this... Rams, Wes Welker. <laughs> at this point in Welker's career, it, in New England, it was almost over, too. He was moving on to Denver and then eventually the Rams. So Elman's future there is R in the back end. I'm going with Matthews. Okay. I I think that's interesting. I think Matthews is a guy who we'll see when when real drafts start what his ADP end up being. But he, right now he seems like a guy that's going to go late. And 
is going to have a lot of appeal depending on how late he really goes. Let's see where they have him ranked right now. Let's just say it this way. If I have a need for receiver in the draft and he's there, I'm taking him. They have him 68th receiver, which I think I will gladly take him as the 68th receiver. And he's a guy that I would reach up in the later rounds to get depending on where he falls. Crazy. All right. So there you go, folks. I want to, hey, we should notice one thing too, Steve, and there's no Rams on that list. No. Well, I think I'm going to get a one of my roto baller guys on, and we're going to go through the Rams players in terms. No, of I'm just saying there's injury wise. The ex- injury wise, and that's yes. a rarity for us. That is true. A rarity for us. That is so, very true. All right. That's it for this week's Buttonheads. You can follow me on Twitter, Steve Barrow. Derek, DC Apollo, and of course Rams Talk at Talk Rams. And of course, find us on Facebook. If you're not in the Rams Talk room, guys, you got to get in there. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, and IE Beat Radio. And stay tuned for part two of the Rams Fest live podcast coming out soon. Derek, you got anything else to add? No, let's go sleep. Alright, let's go sleep. We'll talk to you guys soon. can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.